Om Ajnanati Mirandasya Jnananjana Salakaya Chakshurunaritam Jenatasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Vajunulam Bhitabhujo Kanakabhadato Sankitanaya Kupitaro Kamalaya Takshu Vishwambaro Tvijabaro Yugadharma Palo Bande Jagat Priyakaro Karunabhutaro Shri Guru Parampara ki jai, Guri Nam Prabhu ki jai, Gaur Bhaktivinda ki jai, Gaur Fremanandi. So, good evening everyone, friends, <laughs> older brothers, sisters, and some younger cousins, and what not. <laughs> Very happy to be here again. Nagaputni is such a gracious host. I've been here a few times, well, not to this house. This is a, a new experience for me, but to your previous location. And it's always a, a pleasure to come here. It uh, just gives rise to so many wonderful uh, remembrances of early days in New Dwarka. In fact, on the way down here, I, I got a call from Yadubara. So I told him where I was going, and he went there too. <laughs> all those uh, days and uh, all those faces and so forth. So, um, again, it's, it's very, uh, always very refreshing to me to come here and and see some of, of you, who I, um, many of whom have been a great uh, inspiration for me in my insignificant life in the service of Srila Prabhupada. So, tonight I would, I, would uh, I think the last time I was here I spoke uh, from a book that um, I had just published, or was just about to publish, a commentary on on Bhagavad Gita, entitled the Bhagavad Gita, Its Feeling and Philosophy. And it just so happens at this time, I just fin- we just finished publishing the Gopal Tapani Upanishad commentary on that, a translation and commentary, so I thought I would speak on it. Of course, try to sell you a few books tonight, <laughs> which uh, I have a reputation for. Um, so, with your kind permission and blessings, I'll try to say a few words about uh, this important text for Gaudiya Vaishnavas. As you um, all know, there are a number of Upanishads. The word Upanishad means uh, to come and sit close, to sit nearby, the implication being so that I might tell you a secret, whisper something into your ear, tell you knowledge that is uncommon. Upanishads make up the the latter portion of the Veda, the concluding portion, the very uh, much the smaller balance of what is written in the name of Veda, larger balance being all those texts involving ordinary knowledge, ordinary knowledge being uh, knowledge of religious life, for the most part. How to live in the world and color our human experience with um, remembrance of God. This is progressive. Prabhupada used to say, uh, quoting the sutras, which are 
explaining the Upanishads, Atato Brahma Jagnasu used to say, now, Atato, is the time for inquiring about Brahman. And he used to define that now as human form of life. I mean, we've all heard it many times. Now you have human form of life, you should inquire about the absolute truth. And uh, the fact is, uh, in, in one sense, that um, and wonderful thing that our adhikar or eligibility or qualification for inquiring about the absolute truth was actually um, a combination of the fact that we had a human life and one other thing. And that other thing is sadhu sangha. Because without sadhu sangha, technically speaking, human life is meant for inquiring about being religious. And I'm differentiating here, if you follow me, between religious life and spiritual life. So humans are full of human nature and human desires, and, uh, and, and there is a way, and the Vedas prescribe that, that we can bring all of our humanity in touch with God, color it, as I say, with uh, shades of, of God consciousness by acknowledging the fact, for example, that our senses are not entirely ours, that they are not independent in terms of affording us an experience. If I direct my eyes towards a particular object to enjoy its sight, its form, I'm dependent upon sun or light in order that my eyes could perceive that. So there's a relationship between my senses and nature. And so to acknowledge that is to acknowledge that my body is not mine to do with whatever I want and whenever I want, but I have a relationship with with nature, with uh, the macrocosmic uh, um, picture. And and to acknowledge that is 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 a simple is simply uh, gratitude, gracious. And not to do that is not to be very thankful. And it's worse than that. Uh, there are implications of not being thankful. Just like, for example, we know that if we live in a house and we we flip a switch, what do we get? Light, right? And if we press a button somewhere, we will get. Um, air conditioning, cooling, or heating, or can turn a valve and get water. And if we open the mailbox, we get a bill. (laughs) So it means that there's somebody on the other end for all of these things. If we don't acknowledge that person through sacrifice, the lights will go out and the water won't continue to flow. There'll be no air conditioning and no heat. So in 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 a greater scheme of things, sages, rishis, they tell us that, uh, and it's very practical, that we have a relationship with with nature, with sun, with uh, moon, with so on and so forth. And that all of these manifestations of, of nature are um, moving by the force of consciousness. So there's a personification of sun, moon, and so a deification of them. And so now we have religious rituals in which the gods and goddesses are recognized and and all of our human activities are connected with, with uh, are 
are indulged in with uh, a, uh, in a gracious way, with a sense of gratitude. And, of course, as we do this and we follow the various injunctions in the scripture, which are quite detailed for that type of life, religious life, as we do that, we find that this system works very nicely if you perform this particular type of sacrifice, for example, at the right time, with the right mantra, and pronounce it the right way, and so on and so forth. You get a result. So results are very compelling. So we tend then to look more deeply into these scriptures that describe how we can show gratitude and... and um, acknowledge the greater picture that that we're involved in. And as we look deeper into it, of course, we, we come to the concluding portion of the Upanishads, which, which tell us something very radical. They tell us that, in one sense, they tell us that you're not a human being, or they tell us what the re- real human, another way to put it would be, what the real human potential is. That's probably more appropriate with regard to Gaudiya Vaishnavism, what the human potential is. Humans are not differentiated from animals simply because they have the power to reason. Mahaprabhu would like to tell us that they are different because in human life we have the capacity to love. Logic is not really the uh, universal language of human society, but but love is in it when it in its perfection. Krishna came to human society to experience love fully. It's a fallen condition. We fall in love. So, gratitude turns uh, ultimately uh, to love. This is the conclusion of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Theism becomes full, full-fledged. We arrive at Krishna. But this is a, a, said to be a gradual process. And as I mentioned, atato dharma jignasu, it is said in the beginning portion, karma mimamsa, now is the time, this is speaking to humans, to inquire about religion. And if you've done it sufficiently, you've looked into the books and you've, and you've done that and you've found that these systems work, you become curious to find out more and you find out that, oh, not only can you live a human life that's prosperous and bountiful, meaningful, profound, it's polite, it's, it, it has some, some, it's full of gratitude at least, but that that gratitude can reach a pitch where it actually becomes love. And it's not any longer thank you, but thank you is almost gets in the way. Sridharmarsh once told us, one of my Garbhadas, our Garbhadas, sitting on his veranda, he gave a nice talk, something wonderful came down to us, and he said, oh, thank you, Guru Maharaj, very much. He said, no, 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 thank you. That is, uh, that is getting in the way. It goes without saying. Prabhupada used to always say thank you very much after his talks, as, as you know. But that was a, as an appropriate thing in, in Western society. But you may find in India, if you travel there and meet people, it's very seldom that someone will say thank you. <laughs> and you wonder, these people are not so polite. <laughs> but it's more of a, it goes without saying. Yes, of course, surely. Thank you gets in the way. Of course, Prabhupada had to get in our way and lead us on, on course and speak our language to some extent to, to do that. That was, was useful. 
But as I say, if we look further into the scripture, being inspired by what it has done for us, made our life bountiful and uh, as it as it should, if we recognize the gods and goddesses and so on and so forth. But it can extend from gratitude to to love, free movement, no calculation involved, like a homeland. When we move. Um, in our home, it is not with caution or trepidation. If mother says, eat this, we don't ask what's in it. We might have, <laughs> but that's another story. Um, our children don't ask what's in it. They know oh, there's, uh, it's made with affection. These orders are coming, but there's affection behind that. There's love behind that. Whereas in a foreign land, and we'll check the bottle very carefully, what's inside, proceed with caution. So the homeland, the land of the heart. And for home-going, a home-knowing person is most essential. So Prabhupada was such a home-knowing person, and although the normal course is, as I mentioned, that we will move, move from Dharma Jignasu, inquiring about Dharma, and that's fairly complex. As I said, it's the greater portion of this huge body of literature we call the Veda. There are so many injunctions there burdensome and troublesome in many respects. That whole phase that one is supposed to pass through religious inquiry in order to come to inquiry about Brahman can be superseded by what? By humans who have sadhusanga. So meeting a home-knowing person, both Baldev, Sripad Baldev Vidyabhushan and Sripad Shankaracharya have said the same in their commentaries on the sutras. Although this is the normal course, from inquiry in religion to inquiry about Brahman. By Sadhu Sangha, one can immediately begin to inquire about Brahman, such things possible. So in an understated way, which was somewhat characteristic of Prabhupada, although sometimes he, for the sake of preaching, he seemed to toot his horn. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the fact is that he was very um, understated and humble and had to be to deal with Ruffians, well, like ourselves, I'll include all this. Dira dira jana priya priya Like the six Goswamis, they could charm even the adiras, the dira and the adira, both. So he would say, uh, human life is the time to inquire, leaving himself out of the equation. Now you have human life, now you can inquire. We shall say, now we have human life, that's not enough. Now we have you. Now we can inquire. You have opened the door. You have made that possible. For home-going, a home-knowing person is essential. And so, Upanishads, secret knowledge, come close so I can tell you a secret. Not, in the, ordin not the ordinary knowledge of simply how to move in the world with gratitude and make things work. Interestingly, though, it should be noted that the way in which life really works in terms of our humanity is also the way life really works on the spiritual platform. In other words, by showing gratitude, as I'm mentioning, there's some kind of giving involved. There's some kind of sacrifice involved. Life works mystically, not rationally. So we shouldn't insist that everything makes sense. 
our everyday experiences, that life is irrational. In other words, for example, to give a, a prominent example relative to what I'm explaining, by giving, we get. That's not rational, but it's our experience. <laughs> by giving, you get. And what you get when you give, on whatever level, what you get, you cannot hold it up and show it. As much as the real spirit of giving is there, to the extent that the giving spirit is, is minimized, there may be something more tangible, materially speaking, to show for the giving that you've involved yourself in. But the more the giving is actually in place and the spirit of giving, uh, which is selflessness, is there, the less tangible, in a physical, let us say, sense, is the reward. In other words, there is a reward. The more you give, the more there is a reward. But the less you can hold it up and show it. I gave, and I got something from that. I gave of my material possessions. I got knowledge. I gave up the fruits of my work. I got mystic knowledge. I gave of myself, not extended in terms of what I think is mine, but me. My soul, I gave it. I became more. I became more whole by giving. All I can do is tell you, I got something. <laughs> I can't explain it to you. Words uh, will never be adequate to describe the experience derived from giving. But it's so real and so tangible yet invisible that it compels one to speak about it, to advocate it, and to see a person who is actually giving and therefore getting, we become compelled also to fumble our way around somehow and, and be involved in that act of giving. So the way that material life really works, it appears to work that by taking, you will get. By stepping on other people's heads, they say, you will get ahead. Actually, it works just the opposite way. Even in our ordinary life, and to the extent that that is uh, developed in capacity for giving, which requires some knowledge of where to give, how to give comprehensively, requires not only my willingness to do so, but knowledge of who the taker is, who can take it all. So as that develops and we move from, as I say, an abundant material life to entering into the, the, the drama of, of God's life. So the Upanishads point us more directly in that direction, whereas the greater balance of the Veda does so in an indirect way. But even amongst the Upanishads, there's a fair amount of indirect nudging in this direction. Oh, there are, I think it is in the Mundaku Upanishad, there's a list of 108 principal Upanishads. But there are maybe about 235 Upanishads that uh, can be found extant today. Written manuscripts, 108 are mentioned. Shankar, the great monistic Acharya, he reduced it to about 10 principal important ones. They tended to be the less theistic, in uh, less overtly theistic. They say things that could lend support, for example, to the doctrine of Shankar, and he used them 
for that purpose. But when they are examined in light of the entirety of the Upanishadic wisdom and it's um, that which fulfills it in the Puranic lore and Bhagavatam and, and so forth in particular, then we find that these statements of the Upanishads that appear to be mm, less than theistic, that appear, for example, to uh, make the Atma and Paramatma one, well, that they are only speaking about theism in an indirect way. For example, and you, many of you may be familiar with this example, Prabhupada, I think, perhaps used it himself, that um, if we live in a, in a cave and you've never seen the sun and the crack in the wall comes and a ray of light comes in and one caveman who's been outside and comes in and says, he says, this is the sun. There's a thing called the sun. You cannot imagine what it's like. Well, tell me what it's like. His frame of reference is the cave. What are you going to tell him? What is the difference between the sun and the world directly influenced by the sun and a cave? So if there's a crack in the, in the cave and a ray of light comes in, he says, this is the sun. And it's true. But if you go outside the cave in pursuit of that, you'll find out oh, that was a very uh, limited explanation of what is sun. It's the ray of the sun. It's the sun, but it's different from the sun also. The Upanishads tell us that these, these uh, less, the, um, uh, less theistic ones, less overtly theistic text, they tell us that uh, if there's anything in this world that we can draw on as a reference to explain God, what would it be? What in this world most resembles God of all things? The answer is you. You do. Everything else is matter. You are consciousness. If you want to know about God, the absolute, look at yourself. Examine yourself. You are that. Tattvamasi. Think of it like this. If you want to know Brahman. Aham Brahmasmi. But again, given the analogy of the cave, it's appropriate. But there's more to be said. After all, how can we conclude that we are God in every respect when the Upanishads are very clear to say other things such as asato mad sadgamayo jyotir ma tamasi ma jyotir gamaya mrityam ma mamritam gamaya It's talking to us. What kind of God are we? When we are being directed, when we are being told we are like God, if you want to know God, know yourself. And at the same time you are being told, by the way, asatomam sadgamayo, go from that which is unreal to what is real. Go from the darkness, tamasima jutirgama, to the light, from mrityam, taste amritam. You understand? Upanishads are saying, we exist. We can know that we exist. We can know about this event. And we should know what the purpose of it is. Sat, we exist. Chit, we, we can know that we exist. We can know about this event. This is a wonderful uh, time, in, in a sense. In, in human life, nature wakes up to the fact that it has a soul. It's incredible to think about. One of my governors once asked Sridhar Maharaj what he said to him that, Sridhar Maharaj, I'm not making very much advancement. He said, you're not? 
Jalajanabalakshani, Stabra Lakshavim, Chati, quoted from Padma Purana. You were a fish. <laughs> you were a reptile, you were a tree, a bird, a beast. Chatulakshani, Manusha. You are, you are now of a human life. And human life, along with that, you have a Sadguru. You're not making any advancement. We tend to look at a very... Too close. We're too close. Before we get troubled. Before we have to step back. And with the help of, of a saintly person, we can step back and see the bigger picture. Stepping back and looking at the bigger picture is always the solution to all the problems of life. When a young boy falls in love with a young girl, first time and it doesn't work, you have to tell him the bigger picture. <laughs> That'll happen again and again. <laughs> don't, be, don't, don't be too upset about that. Everybody goes through that. This is what it is. So to give the bigger picture and get some relief. We exist. We can know that we exist. But we do not know the extent to which we exist, although we talk about it. We do not know the extent to which we exist, therefore we have some fear. Therefore we have some anxiety. Therefore we're busy taking adding things onto our lives to make them more secure and stable as we exist but in such a way, in such an environment that we feel our existence is threatened. We're threatened with non-existence, so we're involved in a struggle. What it really means is that we don't know that we exist, to what extent we exist. Human life is the chance to wake up to this. We do know it theoretically. But to know to what extent, what does that mean? That means we know to what extent we exist. We have no necessity then. Why are we busy? To preserve our sense of uh, existence. If we know the extent to which we exist, this is self-realization, then we have nothing to gain. Then we know what our purpose is. As I said, we exist. We can know it. And we should know what the purpose is. If we really self-realized, that means we're complete. We're full. So now, do you know what to do? Give. You've got it. You need nothing. Others have it, but they don't know it. Share it. Help them to know, to give. This is the purpose of life. That means Satchitananda. Ananda is giving. Ananda means love. Love is about giving not about getting. So, simple message of the Upanishads while telling us, if anything is God, it's you. It's also telling us, but that's just one way of talking about it. If I'm to talk about it fully, you are one with God, but different from God as well. We tend to stress the difference, at least in the beginning. But love is also about oneness. So, there are many Upanishads. They're all giving this basic message. Some of them are said to be principal Upanishads by persons like Shankaracharya, for example. But we have a little bit of different opinion about which are the principal Upanishads. And we think that amongst all the Upanishads, the most important Upanishad is Gopal Talpani. This is the Gaudiya Vaishnava opinion. Prabhupada wrote a commentary on Isopanishad, another very important Upanishad. It's a Vaishnava Upanishad. Gopal Tapani is a development of that thought. Isha means 
God. So it's the God Upanishad, appropriate for the for the Gaudiya, for the Gaudiya Vaishnavas and all Vaishnavas. But this is the Gopal Tapani. It's like who God is in his fullest expression. Gopal Tapani. Tapani means Tapani means light. And tapa means penance, austerity. You know that Brahma heard tapa and he did austerity. Hmm? And doing that austerity, what did he get? He got light. It means he got knowledge. Light means knowledge. This is very practical. Tapa means austerity and tapa means knowledge. When you undergo physical austerity, you have to think. Why am I doing this? You have to, or you have to think of something higher to tolerate it. Austerity actually means some denial of the senses. We get knowledge from that because we realize, oh, I can live without that. And I was thinking previously, there was no way I could live without that. But I can. I'm still existing. So, Talpa brings knowledge, light. And this book is about the austerity, Gopal Tapani Upanishad, or the discipline, if you will, that sheds light on Gopal, Krishna, the cowherd. As I mentioned, Brahma heard the sound Talpa. He performed austerity, he got light. He got the darshan of Gopal Krishna. This is described in Brahma Samhita. It's described in Srimad Bhagavatam. It's also described in Gopal Tapani. A little bit different in each place. In the commentary here, with regard to that in particular, I've tried to harmonize it all. But um, by and large, the, uh, although the stories are told a little, little, little bit differently, the implication of them, the message in them is the same. Brahma got the darshan of Gopal Krishna. And what did he get from Gopal Krishna? By which he could shed light on the significance of that darshan in Gopavesh. He appeared in, Gop- in the dress of a Gopa. What did he get from him? He got the Gopal Mantra. Gopal Mantra. Gopal Mantra is the principal mantra of our Sampradaya. Is mentioned in Chaitanya Charitamrita, in Adi Lila. Krishnadas Kabiraj Goswami mentions 18-syllable mantram that Brahma recited. This is Gopal Mantra. Gopal Tapani, the Purva, there's two sections of Gopal Tapani, Purva and Uttar, earlier and later. The first section gives an, an elaborate... Uh, it, the context is that the sages, Kumaras, ask Brahma, some questions. They ask him, um, who is death afraid of, for example? Questions like this. Of course, the answer to all these things is, the, is Govinda, Krishna, Govinda, Gopijana Balava, Swaha. And thus we enter into a, a, a very detailed uh, explanation of the Gopal Mantra and the Kama Bija. This, as I say, and it's mentioned in Gopal Tapani, Gopal, uh, this 18-syllable mantra is the principal Krishna mantra. All Krishna mantras are derived from this. Mahaprabhu chanted 10-syllable Krishna mantra. 
Gopukumar in Sanatan Prabhu's Brihat Bhagavatamrita chanted the ten-syllable Gopal mantra. There are so many different, different versions of this one mantra. In our Sampradaya, since the time of Sanatana Goswami Prabhu then, who has organized what mantras will be given and, uh, in his Hari Bhakti Vilas, this kind of work he was empowered to do by Mahaprabhu, he has advised this. So in all branches of Gauri Sampradaya, this Gopal mantra is given. It's prefaced by the Kama Bij, and it's also supported by the Kam Gayatri. Other mantras are also given in different branches of the Sampradaya at the time of Diksha. They're supplementary, uh, and um, a particular uh, choice in that parampara by that guru. They are in consideration of the heart of the disciple, his or her potential in spiritual life. The sages asked Brahma in such a way in Gopaltapani that he was forced to consider by what means can a particular relationship with Krishna be realized and tasted? This is what this mantra is about. In Bhakti Sandarbha, Sri Jiva Goswami has explained about Diksha. There he has explained that Diksha involves the began imparting divine knowledge in the form of the mantra, within which a particular relationship with Krishna is found in potential to be realized through the mantra. What does Chaitanya Charitamrita say about Krishna mantra? Krishna mantra hoite habe sangsar mochan Krishna nam hoite pove Krishna charan Krishna mantra by the mantra sangsar mochan one gets liberation what is liberation? Mukti-hitvam-nitarupam svarupena-vivastiti It is twofold. Removal of the negative influence and to become situated in positive standing. Svarupena-vivastiti This is the Bhagavatam's idea of mukti. Mukti is one of the principal subjects of Bhagavatam. But it's not what Adi Shankar is talking about. No. To develop a, uh, a relationship with God, to awaken from within your heart what potential you have for relationship. Oh, and the mantra should be given accordingly. Guru should examine the disciple. Rupa Sanatan, Goswami told Mahaprabhu, or Sanatan Prabhu, excuse me, Sanatan Goswami told Mahaprabhu when he came to Puri. Mahaprabhu said, oh, what is the news? Sanatana had come on a different road than, than Rupa. They had passed one another going and coming and missed one another. Therefore, Rupa had brought the news that Anupam had died. Sri Balabha, the younger brother of Rupa Sanatana, the father of Shiju Goswami. And Mahaprabhu, therefore, after asking Sanatana, Kikobar, what is the news? Then Mahaprabhu, hearing a few things, he started to give the news to Sanatana. Your brother has come. He's returned. I send him back to Vrindavan. He stayed here for this amount of time. Your elder brother, Anupam, died. Sanatana said, oh, he, he, he was very uh, devoted. From early in his life, he was devoted to Ram, Sitan Ram. We met with him, we examined him very carefully, and we advised him 
the best thing in life that you can do is to worship Radha and Govinda. And then they gave so much Shastra and reasoning and feeling that they conveyed to him as to why this was so. Their bhava, their ecstasy, empowered all of this, their scriptural statements and the logic to support their idea. Objectively speaking, this is the best thing to worship Radha Govinda. So he said, all right, all right, give me the Diksha Mantra. Give me the Krishna Diksha Mantra. Yes, in the morning we will do. But he went to sleep. But he didn't sleep. What did he do? He stayed up all night. And what did he think? How can I give up Ram? I've given my head at the feet of Raghunath. I can never give that up. I cannot live with that idea. Yes, they, what they say is best, but... But... You see, life is about feeling. <laughs> we say, yes, I know, Maharaj, but... <laughs> I feel like this. That's bad. Uh, in an ordinary sense. But it's good in the ultimate issue. The spiritual world is moved by bias. We're told bias is a problem. Prejudice. If the politician is bought and paid for by the corporations, it's a problem. The youth will take to the streets. He has to be impartial. But bhakti is all about partiality. A superb and a transcendental partiality. Desirable. When the kumaras went to Vaikuntha. They were checked at the gate by Jai Vijay. What did they think? Where have we come? These people have uh, discrimination. Some can come in and some cannot. Friends and enemies. So, they cursed them. Oh, the Ryan heard there was a commotion at the gate. What did he do? He came to the gate. He said, oh, Kumaras, sons of Brahma, I have offended you. Please forgive me. These Kumaras are very smart boys. When Narayan said, oh, I have offended you, they realized, all these people here, these gatekeepers included, whatever they do represents him. He's saying, I offended. He sees them as one with him in the dynamic sense. This is something very extraordinary. This is very confidential knowledge. If the Upanishads give confidential knowledge, that is not merely the antithesis of ordinary knowledge. In ordinary knowledge, there are differences. Right? Ordinary knowledge is knowledge gathered by the senses. And when we gather knowledge by the senses, then you say it's good, and I say it's bad. You say it's happy, and I say it's sad. Which is it? This is ordinary knowledge. It's ignorance. Messages are relayed to the mind, through the senses. We make determinations, good, bad, happy, sad. We live in that world of the mind. It's a very small world. We're allowed to think ourselves to be big and important, so it seems bigger than it is. But the spirit, this challenge, spiritual challenge, if you will, is to come out of that small world and see how small you are. Enter the big world and meet the one who's big. Big in every way. Big in affection. Suhridam sarvabhutanam. Yes, nothing's for you. Bhuktaram jagatapasam sarvalokamaheshparam. I'm the enjoyer of everything. Everything's meant for me. I'm the controller of everything. Nothing's under your control. This is very disconcerting to hear. 
Nothing for my enjoyment? I cannot control anything? No. Accept it and suhidam sarvabhutana. You'll know me on friendly terms. Suddenly the position changes so radically. I knew nothing. I, I controlled nothing. Nothing was meant for my enjoyment. But I'm the friend of the one who, who owns everything and controls everything. I don't have to worry about owning and controlling. <laughs> the owner and controller is at my disposal. Friendship ultimately comes to equality. Friendship is shared between equals. So, Balaba had a bias. He loved Ram. That morning he couldn't take the Diksha Mantra. Rupsanathan examined him thoroughly. They came to the, and this is part of the examination. Come, yes, we'll talk about it. Tomorrow come, well, he'll give you the initiation. Now what do you feel? I feel like this. I love Ram. Oh, then we don't give you the, we don't give you the Krishna Mantra. <laughs> Mahaprabhu heard this, what did he say? Oh, he said, glorious is that devotee who will not give up his Lord. And glorious is the Lord who will not give up his devotee. And then he said further, and glorious further is that Lord who, if the devotee goes astray, goes after him and pulls him back by the hair, captures him back. So we have some nature. Krishna prem nityasiddha sadyaka bunai shravanadi sudhachite karaya gudai. It is inherent and dormant in the soul. We have some potential for loving God in a particular way. Granted, we are attracted to Gaudiya Sampradaya because of its advocacy of loving Krishna in Braj. So it's likely we may have some proclivity or nature uh, with regard to that. In our Sampradaya, these things are emphasized. Braj Bhakti, Gopi's love for Krishna, Gopa's love for Krishna. Actually, the original uh, gurus of the Sampradaya were all gopas. The original, before, of course, this is before the forming of the Sampradaya by Sanatana Goswami, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's and Nityananda Prabhu's associates, Nityananda Prabhu's associates in particular, the Dwarasa Gopals were the first to begin initiating before it was really systematized and organized. So there was a proliferation of this um, Sakyabhava. And uh, we find that sometimes devotees have some affinity for this in, some, in our Sampradaya. No harm. Once I had a discussion with Sri Padnarayan Maharaj, I had several discussions with him about this many years ago before he was touring. And um, of course he's a strong advocate of his own sentiment, naturally. And the, and the principal sentiment of the Sampradaya of, of the Gopi's love and I gave him many different arguments for uh, the uh, love of the gopas, Subal's love in particular. Vishwanath Chakvati Thakur said, it, in some such young men, young boys, who are involved with Krishna's romantic life, the pitch of their love, the pitch of their preem develops up to Mahabhav. So it is very special. At any rate, I had some discussion, like gopis love, similar. After all, they are tendering to the necessity of Radha in her desperation of separation 
who will tender to Krishna in his moments of separation? Hmm? Are there any friends for that? When Mahaprabhu would express separation from Krishna in the mood of Radha, Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami says, that Damodar Swarup would pacify him with so many songs. When he would experience the bhav of Krishna in separation from Radha, Ramananda Roy would pacify him, just like Subal Saka. So, some place for this also. I was speaking like this with, with Maharaj, and finally I said to him, anyway, Akinchin Krishna's Babaji Maharaj, he had love for Krishna, like Subal. He said, oh yes, I know, he told me, no harm. <laughs> so, that's a nice thing. Alguru Marsh expressed some sentiments like this repeatedly in many, 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 many places. Over and over and over again, I can show you. So many ways. We have a very glorious Sampradaya. Such opportunities are available to us. And Krishna Mantra addresses both of these sentiments. And more. Krishna, Govinda, Gopi, Janavalavaha. Krishna is a more generic name. This name extends to Dwarkalila also. Krishna is also Krishna in Dwarka. Krishna is Krishna in Mathura and Krishna in Vrindavan. Krishna's name also presides over Vaidhi Bhakti and Rag Bhakti, both sides. When we come to Govinda name, then, there's another thing. This is relative to the Brajlila, and particularly to the cowherding, and Gopi Janabalava to Krishna's romantic life. So our Acharyas have explained this mantra in this way. Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopi Janabalabaya, and every word is in the dative case. Dative means to Krishna. Govindaya, to Govinda, Gopijana Balabaya, to Govinda, Swaha. Dative case means Sharanagati. Hare Krishna Mahamantra, this is Nam Mantra. There is no Bij and there is no appeal. Hare Krishna Mantra is all in vocative case. Hari, or Hare, same, Krishna, in Hari. Hari invocative is Hare. Hare Krishna Ram. This means not to Krishna, to Govinda, to Gopi Janabalaba. I give myself. But it means, O Krishna, Hey Krishna, O Ram. Very wonderful. Is exclamation of like crying out. It's not so sophisticated like the uh, Krishna Mantra, Krishna Nam, as represented in Hare Krishna Mantra, which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu personally advised his disciples to sing. That means also that without qualification you can say, Oh Krishna, Oh Hari. You cannot say, without any qualification, without any thinking, oh, to Krishna, to Govinda, to Gopijana Balava. 
swaha. I give myself. I surrender. First sharanagati. But, yes, but, uh, just go further. First, O oh Krishna, without any understanding. Oh, Hari. <laughs> oh, there go the Hari Krishnas. Or the new devotees are coming and chanting, Hari Krishna. They don't know so much what is the meaning, what is the significance. But they met people who have faith and so they are inspired. And as they chant like that, what happens? They get adhikar, eligibility, to say to Krishna, to Govinda, to Gopi Janavalava. Swaha, I give myself, what is the meaning of that? And to draw out from that through the mantram, my special relationship with Krishna. This is what Jiva Goswami says. The Guru gives the mantra at this time. And in the mantra is a special relationship. So don't neglect that mantra in Kam Gayatri. And whatever mantras your Gurudev has given you, don't ever neglect that. That is very important for you. That will help you become a Sharanagata, a surrendered soul. In the context of surrender, faith is thickening. This whole progression from Shraddha to Prem is all just a thickening of faith. Shraddha to what? Sarusanga, isn't it? What is Sarusanga? Association of people who have more faith than I do. What will be the result? My faith will grow. And in, the, in their association, I will learn what to do to increase my faith. That is Bhajana Kriya. And when I do the Bhajana Kriya, what happens? My faith becomes fixed. Nishta. I won't deviate, even if my mind uh, indicates that I should. My intelligence will be fixed. Nasta prayeshu, abadreshu, nityam bhagavata seva. I've heard too much. I cannot move from this. Then next stage, ruchi. Intellect will be subjugated by the heart coming out. Taste. Faith with feeling. You've become, you have to become supple. You have to become flexible. Then you become fixed. You become flexible, then you become fixed. Then you become soft, with taste and attachment. This is all development of faith. And when this faith is, is developed to ruchi and asakti, one becomes a full-fledged saranagata. Then he or she can chant, O Krishna, O Hari, O Ram, with understanding and feeling. And without any rules or regulations, it can be chanted in the beginning. We say, that without any rule, you can chant Hare Krishna. Now you come to the Krishna mantra, you have to follow the many rules. Then you become lawless again, but in a good way. So this Gopal Tapani explains this Gopal mantra, Kama Beach, very nicely. And in the context of doing so, shedding light on Gopal and the means to realize him, who is Gopal? Who is, who is Krishna? Who is Govindo? Who is Gopijana Balaba? We will know by Swaha. Swaha means to give. It means to, means that, to sacrifice. We're back to this. By giving, you'll get. Not only that, it's not that by giving you'll get. But we find that the giving is the getting. It's all about giving. Swaha. Swaha means that which makes the world go round. The world is moving by giving. Real progress comes from giving. As it makes the material world go round, 
it makes the spiritual world go round also. What is this personification of giving and self-sacrifice and selflessness that sheds light on Gopal Krishna? Ultimately, it comes to Radhika, the Shakti of the Lord. This Swaha is Shakti. Swaha means Guru, our Guru. Krishna is the Vishaya Lambana. Devotee is the Ashraya Lambana, the shelter of love. Krishna is the object of love the shelter of that love, who embodies that love. We follow that. We pursue that. It is embodied in our Gurudev. We should follow that. That is Swaha. And ultimately, Swaha comes to Radhika. Guru must have some, and Gaudiya Sampradaya regardless, must have some uh, rapport with Radha. There's no Gaudiya Vaishnavism without that. It comes to that. So in this Upanishad, to shed light on Gopal means to bring out the glory of Radha also. So as we move from Purvatapani to the Uttartapani, the latter part, after the mantra is explained in the means, more light is shed. And there, in another narrative, Sri Radha, within the Upanishads, makes her appearance as Gandharvi, another name for Radhika. So uh, this is an important Shruti text to us, as I mentioned, the most important Upanishad. In this Upanishad, which talks about Gopal Krishna, Radha also makes her appearance. That's another story. I don't want to speak for too long tonight without giving you a chance. Then Gandharvi is mentioned in there. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, and pushed forward by all the other gopis to ask the sage Durvas, how is it that Krishna is a brahmachari? It's a nice story, actually. But let me stop here for now and ask, are there any questions? You mentioned that Vadis Gopal had more of a, a sort of preempted, if I heard you correctly, in their offering Diksha. The followers of Nityananda Prabhu. Yeah. How did that, can you give some history there just so I can understand how, that, how the sequence occurred? That was going on in Bengal. You see, the Sampradaya became universalized when it became Goswamiized, if you will. They Sanskritized it. This is from the uh, erroneous view of the greater part of India. Mahaprabhu would have been a Bengali god, not the Jagat Guru, not Krishna himself. They might have said like this, the Bengalis, but they're just Bengalis. And every place has their local guru, who they think is God. But the Goswamis, they were also Bengalis, but they came from South India, but they were born in, in West Bengal. They appeared there, I should say. But, but they went to, they were commissioned by Mahaprabhu. They went to Banaris. The Jiva Goswami learned Sanskrit. The Goswamis resided in Vrindavan at his request, and they wrote about Chaitanya. Really, they didn't write much about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. They wrote about Radha and Krishna. And they offered pranam to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and wrote about what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was preoccupied with. I mean, they made it clear that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was, was Krishna. Sanatana Goswami was the first to speak on Bhagavatam, Krishna Varnam Tisa Krishnam Sango Pangasta Parshadam, Yagnaya Sankirtana Praya, Yajanti Sumedasaha. The understanding of a verse that no one in any Sampradaya had ever thought of, ever thought of, that if you look at it with his, his explanation, you think, how could you think of it of any, in any other way? It is describing the Yuga Avatar of Kali Yuga. And if you follow the description, here he is, Nimai Pandit. This is the person. 
When you read his explanation, you think, how, how could you possibly interpret it otherwise? Of course, there are other interpretations, but this one is so nice and so naturally follows with context. Not everything that the Gaudiya's cite in every literature to support Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna is so well fit with context. That is their bhava, their feeling. They're seeing Chaitanya Mahaprabhu everywhere. But here, perfectly flowing with the context of the text, where the Yuga avatars are being described in their characteristics, Satya Yuga avatar, Tretya Yuga, Dvapa Yuga avatar, then it comes to Kali Yuga, then this verse, and his explanation. Of course, no one knew of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Nathan Prabhu knew. So he put two and two together. Here he is. This is the person. This is what Bhagavatam says. He read the book and said, that's who he is. So at any rate, they Sanskritized, and this way universalized the religion of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Because Sanskrit was the universal religious language. They took it out of the local vernacular, where it was going on, and this, this spreading was going on, and then they... They universalized it, in effect. And then they, they dubbed this uh, uh, Sripad, uh, Krishna's Kabiraj Goswami, as the preeminent author. There were other biographies from the Bengal side. Chaitanya Bhagavat, Kabi Karnapur wrote something. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also, life. But Krishna's Kabiraj Goswami was particularly authorized by the Goswamis. If you read Chaitanya Charitamrita, you find... Six Goswamis everywhere. Not just their names are being glorified, but all of their books. I remember when Prabhupada first published Chaitanya Charitamrita, 17 volumes in two months, you know the story, instead of two books every, what is it, two books a month? I want 17 books in two months. And so they all came out. And I was uh, fortunate to be in the field distributing books, and Ramaswapapu was sending me one of those gold-bound copies that were supposed to go to the GBC, and uh, he was sending me one. He used to think I was more than GBC, <laughs> something like that. Nice fellow. Um, but uh, um, I remember when I was reading through that the first time, and they were coming like like anything. So many you know books in, in two months, and we were they were, we were out there selling the uh, you know Auntie Leela Volume Four to. Uh, Whomever, we, we want to, what are we doing with these books? <laughs> anyway, Prabhupada wants them out there, so we, we, we sell them. Hell, they understand. But anyway, my experience in, in reading was like, my God, everything's here. Bhaktivasamita Sindhu is here. Bhagavad Gita is here. Srimad Bhagavatam is here. All the principal books, uh, the Goswami, Leela books, Govinda Leelamrita is here. Everything. So, Krishna's Kaviraj is, is wholly under the influence of the Goswamis. Chaitanya Bhagavad, Vrindavan Dastakur is not wholly under the influence. He's a gopi himself. So what they, what they, they took all this, they churned all this, they took the essence of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, they, 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 they gave the theology and so forth, there in Chaitanya Charitamrita. And there you find emphasis on Madhurya Ras, but with deference to the subjective experience, ultimately, of every devotee. Both places in Chaitanya Charitamrita and Adi Lila, where, Chet, where Krishna's Kaviras Goswami says things like this, therefore I call it Madhurja. When speaking about Sringaras, the technical aesthetic, uh, from, from aesthetic, Indian aesthetics and drama poetry, named for Kanjugaras, Sringaras, he says, therefore I call it Madhurja, because it's so sweet. It's the best, he said. By Tathastavichar, by objective analysis, this is the best. Both times in which he says that, 
he qualifies himself immediately afterwards by saying what? But, whatever is best for each devotee, that is ultimately the best. It's all best. This is objectively the best, but subjective, the spiritual world, again, it, it's a subjective experience. Objectivity there has bearing in this realm. Rupa Goswami, when he wrote Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, took himself from his own position to a neutral position, to some extent, to write the book. And you find very little about Madhurya Ras in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. But when he wrote the sequel to the book, it's all about Madhurya Ras. That's Ujjwal Nilmani. He's in his own element there, entirely. So, in Golok, the subjective feeling rules. It's, it's, this is happy. You cannot, you can't, you will find the gopas will, will cite the gopis' own words to establish that their position is best. Gopis have said it themselves. Just see the fortunate position of Subal, Radharani speaking. She can walk hand in hand with him in public, in the, in the midday sun. Oh, how I wish I could be in her, his position. And such pretty enormous will think, you see, even the gopis say our position is best. <laughs> so let them have it. If you get any inkling for anything like this, let it be encouraged. Let it be encouraged. Fan the spark of that uh, appropriately. So, something was going on in Bengal, but the Goswamis, they like formed the official, official sampradaya, if you will, give Hari Bhakti Gilas, with all the mantras and the rules and etiquette and so forth. They got Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami to write the final word on who Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is and what he came to give in Chaitanya Charitamritam and so on. And then so many branches of Sampradaya from the Associates of Mahaprabhu developed. Um, I wasn't inquiring exactly into the, su the subjectivity of bhaktis, given that. Right. But I was just interested in the history because while Nityananda was sent with his devotees to back to the north to preach, mm. still Mahaprabhu had already conquered the south, if you will. And his preaching, like, he made a beeline path to visit with Ramananda Rai and Ramananda Sambhaji, evolved from there. So the preaching of Madhurya Ras was. It, it wasn't preempted by the Sakya Bhava of the Dvarasakopal. They were both, it wasn't, historically, it wasn't prior. They were both simultaneous. Mahaprabhu began to preach about Madhurya Ras after taking sannyas right. and leaving Bengal. And then he went to Puri. And then he preached in Puri. But by the time he started to taste Radha Bhav continuously, perpetually. This is Anti Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela. Leela of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in one sense has its culmination in Sri Vasangam. But he left there and the rest of the balance of the Leela is, is performed to show us how to enter there. First through Namsan Kirtan, qualify oneself for Archan and so forth and Mantra Dhyan and through that qualify oneself for Bhajan and enter into that experience of bridge, which is non-different from 
experience of Rasa Kirtan Shiva Sangam. Mahaprabhu giving out swarups in in Srivasa Angam and Kirtan. You are look at you. Don't you know me? You are Suklambar. Let me eat that rice. No, I can't give you that. Why you didn't it before? Don't you remember? In Dwarka I gave you a gift. I took your rice and you went home. At that time I felt embarrassed. I gave you so many material things. Do we think because he had a head impact wife? No, not because he had an impact wife. His wife wanted his him to have have nice things because he was a Shuddha Bhakta, a pure Vaishnav. So she wanted to be sure that he got such things, some comfort. He was living a little bit uh, frugally. Krishna told Sukhambara, I, I, but I, at that time I couldn't give you what I really wanted. I feel embarrassed what I gave you. Now I want to give you everything. You were Sridham. Brahmana. Now you're here in my Leela. Take Krishna Prema. So, he was doing like this. This is the goal. Anyway, outside of that, Mahaprabhu came to Puri. Really, what I'm saying to you is that after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu really left the world, the formation of a, sampr- of a sampradaya, a lineage, what we're dealing with in Chaitanya Charitamrita before that largely is Mahaprabhu and his associates experiencing themselves, experiencing that one, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is Krishna, and two, if that's so, we think it's true, but if it is, where are his associates? They knew Krishna so well, that they, if he's Krishna, well, where is everybody else? Then they realize, oh, it's us, it's us. This was their experience. We are them. We are them. This is Krishna's play, Gore's play. Krishna's Leela was incomplete. Though the encore appearance is that of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He couldn't taste. He's Rasaraj. But there's a theological like problem, crisis. And Krishna undergoes an existential crisis in the midst of, in the, of his Prakat Leela. He came to human life in human-like form, to fully experience love. This is, the, this is the best place for it, where people, you know, fall in love and do ungodly things. Even the gods can't fall in love as much as humans and be so foolish to the same extent. We're doing it constantly. So Krishna came here to perform his eternal drama, to taste fully that love. But in Raspanchajai, when he saw the measure of Gopi's love and Radhika's love in particular. He had an existential crisis. He, he, his, my, my, my position, my reality, my identity is, I'm the king of love, Rasaraj. But I see the measure of her love and I know I have no experience of that. Who am I? Am I really Rasaraj? Well, he has an existential crisis. To, so to resolve that, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Leela is there. And so, in the midst of that, it's the, the extension of what could not be tasted in Krishna Lila is tasted by Krishna in Gaurila. And so they're just experiencing that. And everybody, eternal associates, even from different Leelas are coming to, to participate in that. Meanwhile, after the whole thing's kind of like just happened, then the Sampradaya is really officially formed. So that's the historical way in which I'm speaking about it. 
and now it's going to be spread and like this and so forth. Yes. So you were saying that the, the cowherd boys started initiating first. Is that you were saying they started giving initiation those lineages? Yeah, in Bengal. Yeah. Right. So, another question. Okay, I'll try to answer it. Uh, you mentioned that you were discussing the difference between Bakadev and Dadev. And I was wondering, that, is, were you saying that, the, that it's, the Bakadev is just a more general outburst as opposed to something very formal and direct? Yeah, something like that, right. There are no rules. You, it's crying, Oh, Krishna! Oh, Hari, there are no rules governing such thing. But the mantram, in a dative case where there's an appeal made and so forth, then there are so many rules for that. You have to face in this direction, so many, it has to be counted so many times, and so on and so forth. So one, this is, And this is, of course, also, it's prayer, in a sense, and prayer is twofold. Prayer will be for... Sadaka, in sadhana bhakti prayer will be one thing. In bhava bhakti prayer will be another thing. In bhava, in bhava bhakti prayer will be lolosomai. In sadhana bhakti, it will be primarily surrender. In other words, the devotee will pray to Bhagwan, oh, that I might control my senses, my mind, so that I may really love you. But any lolosamayi or any, any hankering like this, that would be, would be limited. It shouldn't be absent, but it would be limited. When the senses are controlled, then that is another thing. That by, when Haridas Thakur initiated that prostitute, you know, they had been together for lifetimes. You probably know the story, Prahlad. As much as Haridas is Prahlad, that prostitute was his associate in the previous time. She came this time, stayed up all night, you know the story, he chanted Krishna Nam, he gave her initiation. Kaviraj Goswami, in, in relating the narrative, says, and after some time chanting, her senses became controlled. Then she got love. Then she got feeling. So we can't circumvent, circumvent that. Try to make a shortcut. And this sharanagati, surrender, and such, and the mantra is supposed to help us in this regard. Therefore, its efficacy is reached at a certain point. Gop Kumar in Brihad Bhagavatamrita, his mantra is found throughout, but, but to ultimately ascend to Krishna Charan, the lotus feet of Krishna, he did Krishna Nam. He chanted Krishna Nam, O Radha Valabhi. These kind of names. And, of course, Understanding the significance of the Nam, some realization, it transported him into these pastimes. Smaranam. What is that? Bhakti Sarasri Thakur say? Kirtana Prabhave, Smaranasvabhave. So Smaran is part of all this, but it will come from Kirtanam. Do Kirtan. That will consume your mind. Prabhupada gave a very nice idea following the Bhakti Sarasri Thakur. He didn't say, here's your beads, go sit in the jungle and chant, remember Krishna. 24 hours a day. He said, try to convince the modern world about Krishna consciousness. Now, that's going to engage your mind if you try it. That is a real task. 
consumed by that, then remembrance will come naturally. <laughs>